This week of the Tech on Tap podcast, we cover everything under the sun related to the new ONTAP 9.5 feature, Snap Mirror Synchronous. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. NetApp. I love this company. Zipark. Zipark. I love NetApp because it's so funny. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. I'm in the studio here today and I am going to talk about the latest and greatest in ONTAP 9.5. Today we are talking about Snap Mirror Sync and I have several people on the phone to give me information about that. Uh, so let's start off with Chris Winter. Hi Chris, what do you do here at NetApp and how do we reach you? Yeah, hi Justin. Um, I'm the product manager for Snap Mirror, both the asynchronous and synchronous versions of Snap Mirror as well as SnapLock and a few other data protection products. Uh, you can reach me at chris.winter at netapp.com. All right. Also on the phone with us, uh, Akhil Kaushik. Is that, did I say that right? Yeah, that's, that's, that's as good as it gets. <laughs> uh, yes, this is Akhil Kaushik. I'm a principal engineer responsible for SnapMirror Synchronous. Uh, you can reach me at uh, akhil at netapp.com. All right. And last but not least, Balaji Romani. Hi, Balaji. What do you do here at NetApp? How do I reach you? Hi, Justin. Um, I'm the technical director responsible for SnapMirror Sync, and I can be reached at uh, balaji at netapp.com. All right. So before we get started talking about SnapMirror Sync and what it can do and what it is and isn't, um, let's talk about generally the, the high-level overview. What, you know, what is SnapMirror Synchronous? Where did it come from, and you know, what's some of the history behind it? So, Chris, if you could lead that discussion there. Yeah, so SnapMirror Synchronous is a, an extension of our existing asynchronous SnapMirror, except that instead of running on a schedule, every single individual I.O. is replicated to a secondary device. Because this is every I.O., it's called synchronous. And what it does is it assures the user that the secondary is always in sync with the primary, unless, of course, there's a failure of some sort. So that essentially is what uh, uh, SnapMirror Synchronous is. We used to have a product in uh, previous years that was discontinued in uh, clustered data on tap. And this is not a port of that existing product. This is a complete new uh, re-implementation, a bigger, better uh, implementation. So a lot of people wanted SnapMirror Sync to return, or synchronous SnapMirror, as it used to be called. And what are some of the differences between what we used to have versus what we have now? So SnapMirror uh, Synchronous is a C-mode feature um, that uses a brand-new engine, uh, which leverages some of the C-mode technologies that we have, uh, to, which improves performance compared to what we had in 7-mode, stability, and capabilities. So what are some of the capabilities that we have now that we didn't have? So basically what I'm trying to get my head around is, is you know, how have we improved it? Some of the improvements are, uh, from a performance point of view, um, it's um, much lower impact from how the client IOs are impacted. Um, the scale that you can support is uh, more than what we had in 7-mode. And um, it's, it's based on the 
architecture to add to what balaji just said i would want to emphasize on the fact that it is a brand new architecture um it uses the c mode snap mirror architecture from for control plane activities and for and for data plane activities it is it is a completely new architecture which is uh, much more logical in nature um and that gives us the isolation uh to the volume that is synchronously protected uh and not impacting the other uh, objects on that node or in that aggregate one of the major differences is that this replication is done much earlier in the io stack than in previous models this results in the ability to handle error conditions in a much more uh simplistic and reliable way uh you could compare this with other vendors who have synchronous replication products um they tend to replicate at a very low level in the stack in in frequently actually at the storage level we're doing this much much higher and as i say this results in much finer granularity over error conditions and when you say finer granularity over error conditions like what sort of error conditions would we expect this to be able to control well there's the <clears throat> there's a the traditional item potency problem where you have uh, multiple actions resulting from a single operation um and repeating those multiple actions is a problem if you had a failure in the middle of them so that's one of the ones that is um uh is more easily corrected with our implement, our implementation we talked a little bit about how the engines are different you know where snapmirror in, in 7 mode versus cdot has a different engine and honestly in cdot we we kind of changed engines along the way so let's talk a little bit about how those engines are different because my understanding is we were block based before now we're more logical based what does that mean technically like what what is the, what are those two differences yeah it, i think the fundamental property of this is it is logical in nature so you know if you if you if you go back to snapmirror asynchronous where we had a a block replication engine the bree and the lrsc which is logical replication engine you can say that this is much more logical in nature even more logical than the lrsc and i will take a single example uh, the way asynchronous uh, replication would uh, replicate a change block is it would read from the primary and it would write it to the primary uh okay. and uh, if you look at the snapmirror synchronous it is actually intercepting a write operation that is coming from the host and it is actually replicating that log- write logically so it is as if a client write is being issued to the secondary and that goes for all the other uh, metadata operations as well so you know a create that is happening on the primary asynchronous engine the lrsc is going to replicate it as two separate operations uh which are independent of each other because a write because a create of a of a new object results in a new directory entry getting created and also a new inode getting allocated however when you look at synchronous uh it intercepts the create uh as a logical operation and replicates that logical operation which actually uh, manifests into two different artifacts Uh, without having to replicate it as two uh, two separate operations so it's 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 uh, it's basically uh, uh, very similar to how a client uh, uh, operation is uh, getting uh, you know applied on the on both the copies we say logical a lot in terms of how the engine works and logical can have a lot of meanings what does it mean here what does logical mean in terms of snapmirror replication yeah 
I, I think I'll, I'll go back and take the same example as I was taking earlier that when you compare the block replication engine, which is basically moving all the all the physical blocks of a file system over to the to the other copy and then you know mounting it as a file system because you have actually when you replicated all the blocks you essentially get a file system right that's physical in nature and that uh, you know has a version compatibility issues and stuff when we talk about logical now we are talking about uh, performing these operations on a file system as if a client uh, or a host is issuing the ops and uh, you know that is where it gives us much more flexibility with respect to version uh, compatibility, the 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 version of the file system, you know, and and things like that. And this is good because you're taking me in the direction I wanted to go with this. Sure. <laughs> so, what does logical snap mirror give us that we did not have before? And you mentioned version interoperability. What else does it give us? Um, I data think fabric, data fabric. Data fabric. That is, yeah. I, Sorry, data fabric. That's my hint. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't hear that. Sorry. I think I was going in the direction of uh, Brie has another post-process uh, thing called uh, swizzling and de-swizzling. Right. None of that is 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 required uh, for uh, when you're when you're performing a logical replication, be it asynchronous or synchronous. And I think the other aspect that should be called out is the fact that you know you can have additional. Or, or asymmetric storage efficiency configuration, you know, different uh, settings on on the volumes. All that is possible with logical. So you can have a have you know compression enabled on the primary, but not enabled on the secondary. You can have additional dedupe on the on the secondary, but no dedupe on the primary. All that is possible with with, with logical replication. It also gives us and the then, ability to snap mirror to other uh, storage platforms, right? Like snap like snap mirror to SolidFire and that sort of thing. Oh yes, yes, well, yes, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, okay. if as uh, as long as the um, as long as the overriding semantics are the same, so the file system semantics are the same, then the underlying physical characteristics of where that file system is located can be. Uh, we we don't care about that. It's transparent. So before I go any further, I just noticed we have a a straggler on the WebEx here. Somebody that just invaded our WebEx, and actually he didn't really invade it; he was invited. But he's here now, uh, Harish Aurora. Hi, what do you do here at NetApp, and how do you how do we reach you? Hi, Justin. I am a vice president of engineering for data protection at NetApp, and you can reach me on Twitter at uh, I am that is letter I and letter M Harish Aurora. All right. So now that Harish is here, everyone has to be on their best behavior. So you guys, make sure you're behaving. <laughs> <laughs> So um, we, we were just talking about logical snap mirror versus block-based. And, and really, this is something that has always kind of puzzled me because of, you know, we, we made a change. And we don't really do, I don't think, a great job of telling everybody why we made this change. But I think we're doing that now. Um, so we, we talked about logical snap mirror being more flexible, being able to do more things, and being just in general, you know, for lack of a better term, more logical um, in terms of how we do our replication. And, and this is all in context of snap mirror synchronous. Uh, which is the topic of today's show. So Snapmare Synchronous, we talked about it being this instantaneous replication. Now I want to know why someone would want to do something like this. Why would we need Snapmare Synchronous? Well, let me let me take that one. So um, I think what we need to understand, first of all, is that the original product that we referred to um, was designed and implemented 10 or 12 years ago. The world has changed in that time. 
So the last three years has seen massive, massive change in the way that customers uh, deal with their data, as long as as well as the amount of data that they have to deal with. Now, in particular, with the um, with the surge of compliance requirements that are happening around the world, particularly in the finance space and uh, to some extent in uh, healthcare and some other industries, the the requirement to guarantee zero data loss under all circumstances is now overriding any other considerations that customers may have. And it used to be that customers would um, would make decisions on how much disaster recovery or data protection to do based on how much data they thought they were going to lose and how much that was going to cost them. The, the penalties now for losing data in some industries is so immense, and take GDPR as an example, um, is so immense that now it's essential that data is not lost. The only way you can guarantee zero data loss is to have a replication technology that replicates each individual IO separately. Once you've written that data uh, to a a block-level device and then try and read it back out and write it somewhere else, there are windows there for losing data. So the essential driver for delivering SnapMirror synchronous in this time frame is to get ahead of the surge of demand for zero data loss reputation. So how does SnapMirror Synchronous differ from you know the use cases that we'd want for something like MetroCluster? Like where would we make draw the delineation of why we'd want synchronous or SnapMirror Synchronous versus MetroCluster? Again, let, let me jump in here. Um, so it, to some extent, um, customers and partners look at disaster recovery or data protection from a complexity or simplicity perspective. Some of them just want to have extremely simple data protection. So simplicity in this case means you have metro cluster. You have two identical systems um, a certain distance apart, and they are always identical. So there's never any thought about having to do something special when there's a disaster. You have an exact copy of an, of an entire cluster at another location. On the other hand, there's a lot of customers who, because of legacy um, growth in their data centers or from just the, the way their operations work, where it's much more complex, where they have a cluster or multiple clusters and pieces of those clusters, a few volumes, need to be replicated to location A, some other volumes need to go to location B, and so on. It's, in other words, it's not a simple copy this from, from here to there. It's a, it's a complex topology of moving data around in a way that meets their operational needs. Now, MetroCluster meets one of those needs. SnapMirror Synchronous meets another one of those needs. And somewhere in the middle, there's a little bit of overlap where there's a choice between one or the other. And that choice is now available to the customer. Um, they can choose whether they want the, the simplicity or the, uh, the simplicity with less flexibility or the flexibility with less simplicity. So what if I don't want to choose? What if I want to use both? Can I do that today? Absolutely. See, I set you up there. See how I did that? <laughs> Pop. Yep. Out of the park. <laughs> anyway, um, 
Cool. So we can do metric cluster with snap mirror synchronous, which is pretty awesome. What about things like cascading or fan out relationships? Can we do that? Yeah. So we in 9.5, we don't support cascading. And uh, just to, I think, uh, clarify here, cascade here means the first lag is sync and the second lag is async. However, um, a fan out is supported. And uh, so basically a single source, well, uh, single volume can be a source of uh, async relationship and a sync relationship. So essentially you have two copies of the, of the volume. One is async copy, other is the sync copy. Uh, via fan out topology, not via cascade topology. Okay. So what happens if we have a problem with replication? So how does Snap Mirror Synchronous handle that? If we can't honor the I.O. right to both sites, how do we do that? Yeah, so I think that's a good, uh, this is a good time to introduce the two modes of synchronous replication that we offer um, in 9.5. One is called uh, Snap Mirror Synchronous mode of operation. Another is a Snap Mirror Strict Synchronous mode of operation. Uh, and that... Uh, the, the key difference between the two is uh, what is the impact to the application if replication were to fail. So in a strict synchronous mode, the application IOs will start failing. So we don't allow any more modifications to the primary if we cannot replicate to the secondary. Um, on the other hand, in the synchronous mode of uh, replication, uh, we continue to allow IOs to the primary and uh, uh, while the uh, secondary is lagging behind. And uh, as soon as the fault is, uh, uh, is, is taken care of, let's say it was a transient uh, a switch problem or a port problem, there is an automatic resync uh, process which brings the two copies uh, back in sync. One thing I wanted to add here is, uh, you know, I have seen several people mistake uh, the normal synchronous mode for near sync, which is not the case. Uh, if the if there is no error that happens, then both the modes are synchronous all the time. The only difference is stop on error versus continue on error behavior. And so, so that's one of the things that, you know, one of the questions that we got from several people saying, hey, is there synchronous like near sync and strict synchronous sync? No, the answer is both are sync. Okay. So, so my understanding there is a time limit or like a latency level that we can have until something is not allowed to sync with the snap mirror. So what is that limit? And does that basically fall back to asynchronous if you have relaxed mode? Yeah, let me, let me just jump in here. So um, <clears throat> this is the first release of snap mirror synchronous and we are supporting up to 10 milliseconds round trip time between primary and secondary in this release. The intention is that that may change in the future. Um, but the point you made about the difference, again, the difference between synchronous mode and strict synchronous mode is only in the error conditions, handling the error conditions. They're both synchronous. So if, a, let's say, a network goes down for some reason uh, in synchronous mode, then the application will continue writing to the primary. This means that the primary will now not be identical to the secondary. When the network condition is is fixed, for however long it takes, then we will asynchronously resynchronize the primary and secondary, and then go back into second into synchronous mode. The difference there is that in strict synchronous mode, we will not continue writing to the primary. 
we will reject the application IOs. This is the way that is necessary to guarantee zero data loss. Okay. So 10 milliseconds, what kind of distance roughly does that give us for the first initial release? So round trip time of 10 milliseconds is, is sort of dependent on the switches and all the other networking device. Typically, people think of 150 kilometers. Um, if, you have, if you have very, very good uh, connectivity, it could be more than that. If you, have very, if you have a lot of switches between you and the secondary, it could be less than that. 150 kilometers is roughly the number we're looking at. Okay. So not, that's not bad. Gets you a good amount of distance for SnapMirror synchronous there, and especially in the use cases of being on campus and that sort of thing. Um, with the applications that would actually leverage this, then what sort of use cases would somebody be using for the uh, strict synchronous mode? You know, What have you seen out there for, for requests? Well, again, this is primarily in the... Um in the finance, the enterprise applications uh, space, which is dominated by finance, where there's uh, a need to have the transaction logs synchronously replicated, and then the actual data itself can be asynchronously replicated at a at a lower at a higher granularity schedule, like every hour or every two hours or something like that. So that in the case of a disaster where the primary site or the primary cluster is uh, is badly affected, failover to a, another site can be uh, can be done, and the trans but the transaction log is identical. So there's no loss of transaction log, therefore there's no loss of data, and the application then can uh, recover using both the the asynchronous um, copy of the data and the synchronous copy of the transaction log. That's a typical use case, and that applies to basically all enterprise-type applications. Okay. So I kind of caught this offhand there, but you essentially, you know, we talked about fan-out being supported, and then you mentioned the DR side of this. So we can essentially have a SnapMirror synchronous relationship in addition to a DR relationship going somewhere else. Exactly. Excellent. So that's like double protection on those volumes. So if you have a really... Well, it's it's, it, it, makes, it makes life simple because you don't have to worry about multiple relations. You don't have to worry about doing a lot of different things. You know that that volume is protected both asynchronously and synchronously. All right. So we've talked a bit about what SnapMirror Synchronous is and some of the different ways you would use it. And we talked about synchronous versus strict synchronous. So now let's talk a little bit about what this initial release of SnapMirror Synchronous can and cannot do. So, Chris, let's start with the, the positives. What can it do today? Yeah, it can do a very a tremendous amount of things. For a first release, this is um, this is really impressive. So, SnapMirror Synchronous will run on all shipping hardware platforms from NetApp, regardless of the clustering size or type. Uh, all storage types and configurations. Any network that can deliver. Um, less than or equal to 10 milliseconds round trip time and on the 9.5 on tap 9.5 release so as you can as you can imagine this is incredibly flexible it also means that um, it can be 
retrofitted into an existing customer environment. There's no need to buy new hardware. There's no need to do anything other than install on TAP 9.5. Existing asynchronous relationships can be converted to synchronous relationships in line without a new baseline. Um, so the simplicity and the flexibility is enormous in this release. Now, there are some things that we haven't supported just yet. Um, or oh, one thing I should also mention is we support in the first release, in the ONTAP 9.5 release, Fiber Channel, iSCSI, and NFSV3. In, a, in an upcoming release, we will support um, other protocols, including SIFs and NFSV4. Um, and you would expect in future releases that we will expand the functionality, the initial functionality, by things like uh, cascading by supporting other containers within NetApp um, and the typical sort of advances in product as you would expect to see as new releases come out. Are we going to have support for System Manager, so being able to configure it within the GUI? Oh, absolutely. We've been uh, we've been demonstrating that for the last eight months. So uh, we have System Manager, Oakum support. Um, obviously, CLI and Zappy as well. Any uh, support with REST APIs, or is that coming later? REST APIs are, uh, are, are something we're looking at on the roadmap. Okay. So to add to what uh, Chris, uh, Chris said, uh, REST API support will be included as a part of the uh, global ONTAP REST API support. Okay, excellent. So when we get it globally for ONTAP, we should see it with SnapMare Synchronous as well. Um, Chris and Kiran Balaji, we support uh, Select as well in the first release, right? Um, and Fabric Pool as well, right off the gate. That is right. Both are supported. But not Flex Groups. That's not that's not there yet. I always like to throw Flex, flex Groups in. Not, uh, not quota volumes. Yep. <clears throat> so you mentioned NFS v4 and SMB and how that's going to come in a future release. How are we going to solve the problem where we have to deal with locking? and statefulness. So how is that going to be handled when we do actually support it? So, um, so you have to remember that SnapMirror Synchronous is a DR solution, uh, which means that it's, it's, it's used when the primary site goes down and you have to really move to the secondary. So it, it's not going to be transparent to the applications that are using the data on the volume. So which means that either it's going to be uh, the host is going to have to reboot or reconfigure or it's going to be a new set of hosts. So given that is the use case that we're targeting in the first release, um, the replication of locks and, and, and some of these runtime states uh, are not replicated and don't have to be. Okay. And as far as NFS v3 and file handles go, I mean, we're, we're replicating this. This is an exact replica of the source, so there's not going to be a need to remount, right? Uh, yes, that is right. You don't have to remount as long as you can get the other protocol aspects uh, on the secondary correctly, right? For example, the IP address that was there in the primary, if you can get it on the secondary and so on, right? Then you don't have to remount the, the client. And as far as Fiber Channel and iSCSI goes, does Alua handle the path failover for this, or do we have to do something manually on the clients? It, ha it would have to be done manually. Uh, 
because again, this is a DR solution, there is going to be some reconfiguration on the clients uh, to access the secondary after the failover. Yeah, Justin, just want to clarify the difference between zero RPO and zero RTO or transparent failover. In 9.5, we are only offering zero RPO, that is zero data loss. Okay, so we can do you know pretty much DR failover here. What about SVMDR? Do we have support for that? So SVMDR and Snapper Sync can run on the same source volume, um, but SVMDR doesn't have support for uh, Snapper Sync. What I mean by that is you cannot have the volumes in a Snapper Sync relationship uh, when you have SVMDR. SVMDR still runs on the async engine. Okay. So could I have a separate SVMDR relationship in addition to the SnapMirror Sync, or are they going to collide? You should be able to have both of them. You can have them. Okay. So I should be able to still use SVMDR more or less, but have SnapMirror Synchronous as a separate thing. Yeah, exactly. So, for example, if, if you had an SVM which had um, 20 volumes in it, that is in an SVMDR relationship with another SVM on a secondary site, you could take any one of those individual volumes and synchronously replicate that separately to another location. What about FlexClone? I mean, if I have FlexClone to my source, how does, S- how does SnapMirror Synchronous deal with those? Does it ignore them or does it bring them? How does that work? So I'm assuming the scenario that you're talking about is I have a primary volume and a secondary volume, and these two volumes are in a synchronous relationship, and I create a, a FlexClone out of the source volume. Correct. And... Um, the clone volume looks like another new volume, and hence that is not replicated. If you want, you could establish, um, could break the clone and establish another Snapper Sync relationship, but because Snapper Sync operates at a volume level, it, it, it continues to just replicate between the, 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 the primary and secondary relationships that are set up. So theoretically, I could have a volume as a source with a clone, and then sync. I could do a snap mirror sync on both of those. So on syn- the clone is is what you're asking? Yeah can i can I snap can I synchronously snap mirror the clone as well as the parent? Um, I don't think we support that primarily because when you split the clone, the snapshots are deleted, and um, we need to keep a bunch of snapshots for. Uh, for the replication process to continue. So, uh, yeah, it's not, it's not supported in this release. Okay. And I, right. and I ask because, not because I think that people should do that. <laughs> it's because people will ask. They will say, can I do this? You'd be surprised at what people ask they can do. Oh, oh no. <laughs> I am not surprised. <laughs> yeah, so there is, a, there, is a, there is a very different use case that is supported in async world. Just want to draw a parallel here. So if you have an A and B that are in a mirror relationship, async mirror relationship, you create a clone of A on the on the primary site and you create a clone of B on the secondary site. And now you can bring those clones into a into an async relationship. Right? That is supported in the async world, but in the sync world that is not supported. Having said that, if you were to create a clone of uh, the uh, the source volume, you can have an independent sync relationship created out of it. But you know, so there is something that is supported in the async world, which is definitely not applicable to the sync world. Is is what I think the the short summary is. Yep. <clears throat> Makes sense. And the reason and the reason is, uh, Akil has just brought up a good point that 
asynchronous is not an alternative to asynchronous replication. It's a different use case. And so there are things that have been done for many, many years in the asynchronous world, which had a very good reason and a purpose, but they don't make any sense whatsoever in a synchronous world. So we need to be very careful that when we don't consider this to be an alternative, it's a different it's a different use uh, use case. Yeah, and really, what I want to clarify wanted to get clarified, and you know, is basically where I was going with this was that very point. I mean, these are not the same thing. So it's it's I draw a parallel to containers and VMs. Like containers come out, and everybody wants to use them like VMs. So yeah. <laughs> you can't use SnapMirror synchronous like you use regular SnapMirror. You have to use it for different use cases. Um, that said, uh, ha- we do have a different license as a result of this. So how does that licensing work for SnapMirror Synchronous? So SnapMirror Synchronous licensing is a perpetual node-based per terabyte license. Uh, essentially, um, each node in the cluster that is going to be the source of a synchronous relationship needs to have a SnapMirror Synchronous license. <clears throat> that license is based on... Let's say you have a number of volumes and the total provision size of those volumes comes to uh, just under three terabytes, then you would need a three terabyte license per node in that cluster. Similarly, if that cluster is going to fail over to another cluster in an error situation, in a disaster situation, for example, and if the intention would be then for that, that secondary location to start replicating synchronously somewhere else, then that secondary cluster would also need licenses for SnapMirror Synchronous. So I've been noticing a trend with our licensing is that we're doing more capacity-based licensing. Is this a conscious drive for all licenses to be more capacity-driven, or is this just something that just happens? It's something that a lot of customers are expecting now, particularly with the uh, very strong move to the cloud. Virtually all cloud activities capacity-based or consumption-based. And so to fit in with this model better so that customers don't have too many licensing models to worry about, the, uh, the intention is, is that SnapMirror itself um, and SnapMirror Synchronous will move towards capacity or consumption-based uh, pricing. Just want to add one point here. I think this was a question that was asked in a, in a previous conversation. Uh, sim- uh, SnapMirror Synchronous license is not included in the premium bundle. Okay, so it's a separate uh, license altogether. It's a separate license. Am I correct, uh, Chris? That's correct, yes. yes. It has a prerequisite of the uh, existing SnapMirror license, which comes in the premium bundle. And you mentioned there's, uh, you know, people are driving to cloud. Um, do we support synchronous to cloud? So... SnapMirror synchronous replication, uh, the intention is is that it will work between all ONTAP 9.5 platforms, wherever they happen to be, whatever platforms they are running on. All right. <clears throat> Excellent. Well, and that means you have to have that latency down, right? I mean, so that's got to be into play as Correct. well. Correct. And in some cases, the, um, the latency... For, for, some, for some customer use cases, the most important thing in the world is to have a synchronous copy of a record or a piece of data. And if, if, 
if that location is in the cloud and then there's a 10 millisecond uh, round trip time, then the the reduction in performance of the application is accepted because of the requirement for zero data loss. In other use cases, that is not acceptable. And so um, the replication will be done to somewhere closer with lower RTT or on-prem. What about best practices? What are, what are our best practices for running Snapmare Synchronous? You know, you mentioned 10 millisecond round-trip time. Is, is there anything else we need to consider? The primary consideration is the impact on, on the uh, application I.O. Uh, obviously, anything else you do to an application I.O. to slow it down is going to impact the application. If that application is a critical one where the response time is very, very critical, then the best practice is is to do a a synchronous replication to a local, uh, local to the primary cluster, to a local destination with very, very low round-trip time. Um, And then to do a secondary asynchronous replication to a more remote site. And then what I described earlier on about uh, transaction logs into the local site and the actual data into a more distant remote site, that would be a best practice. So a lot of these best practices for synchronous SnapMirror are very much the same as for asynchronous. So we've been publishing best practices for many years now, talking about identifying the data itself and the criticality of the data and the, and the requirement for recovery time of that data should an event occur. Nothing has changed. Uh, now with SnapMirror Synchronous, except we have an additional capability of reducing the data loss to zero. So the best practices we've always talked about in the past, about networking conditions, about uh, capacities, and so on and so forth, they're all the same. Um, We just have additional capabilities to provide the operational uh, solutions that customers need. Akil or Balaji or Harish, do you have anything to add to those best practices that Chris mentioned? Yeah, one thing that I will bring up is uh, uh, when we say that uh, there is a lot of flexibility in deploying synchronous, I think one of the flexibility is uh, is uh, different type of platforms on the primary and secondary. Um, so there is a flexibility of having uh, AFF on the primary and, and FAS on the secondary. However, that comes with uh, some best practices, and those are all around sizing. When we say sizing, I think uh, what we are actually talking about is the headroom availability. So the amount of workload that uh, uh, that is on the volume that is configured for sync protection, we should have that available headroom on the secondary regardless of the type of the platform. So it's quite possible that you know on an AFF, there is only one volume that needs to be sync protected on, on the on the on the secondary there is a low end fast sitting there so uh, uh, you know the, the 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 feature allows that configuration however the headroom availability on the destination has to be uh, you know uh, uh, determined before this relationship is deployed right and that's a very good point and so one of the things we're doing at the moment and we'll be delivering this fairly shortly is a SnapMirror Synchronous Sizer, which is a the ability to plug in a workload and a networking capabilities and um, uh, expectations from an a application workload, 
and see what impact that's going to have on the, on the synchronous replication. That's something that should be available by the time we release uh, SnapMirror Synchronous in the 9.5 timeframe. And I guess would that be part of the Fusion too? Harish, fuse, Fusion, by Fusion, you mean SPM uh, plus plus? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. So, okay. so okay. yeah, that, that's that's a good point actually. Yeah. So SPM also has uh, support for for sizing for synchronous protection, right? So when you know as a pre-sales uh, tool for sizing, uh, Snap uh, Sync is already integrated into the SPM tool and uh, the next version of it, Fusion. And I'll just point out that the SPM tool is a NetApp only tool or partner only tool but not for customers so if you're a customer and you're listening and you want spm sorry you don't have it (laughs) (laughs) oops that's okay that's all right you can contact your sales rep and they will hook you up all right so um in the unlikely event that we have a problem what sort of data collection should i expect to to do here is there something that i can do that's easily automated or is there you know a set of logs i need to look at specifically how would i you know basically start the troubleshooting process for a snap mirror synchronous problem yes i'll take that up um so so uh, i think the way to look at it the method is uh, there are mainly three type of issues that we are talking about in synchronous world one is uh, zero rpo disruption where a relationship goes out of sync. Uh, the other is uh, we are talking about zero RPO outage where the relationship is not coming in sync for some reason, right? Um, and the final thing is uh, there are some performance observations that the customer is curious about. Uh, for the first two categories, we have uh, um, a subsystem specific call home ASAP payload, which is uh, very specific to sync. So all the all the artifacts or the or the, or lack of a better term forensics that we we need to troubleshoot those problems as quickly as possible to isolate it to you know what might be the reason is part of that uh, asap uh, payload and that asap uh, is generated um, when a relationship goes out of sync and and stuff um, in addition to that uh, we have some proactive uh, monitoring as well uh, where, uh, you know, for some example, let's say I was talking about the sizing uh, best practices earlier, where there is a lower end fast, which is configured as the secondary uh, for a synchronous relationship. And uh, that is having some, some stress issues, stress-related issues in the sense that the IOs are taking longer. And they are taking so long that, you know, it is re- reaching a threshold of 15 seconds where the relationship can go out of sync. So we have some triggers or thresholds in the system which says that if there are things that are taking uh, constantly, they are taking you know uh, uh, beyond a certain threshold, then we do generate these uh, proactive call home um, ASAP. So we can, be, even before the customer experiences an outage of zero RPO, we have an opportunity to take a look at the system and potentially uh, understand what might be happening there. Excellent. I just want to say one thing, uh, Justin, is that in ONTAP, we have been introducing disruptive innovations in a non-disruptive way, and, and the SnapMirror Synchronous is an example of that. But all you have to do is upgrade the ONTAP to 9.5, and then you can convert your async relationship to sync or create new sync relationships with a very extremely simple GUI or command line. 
Magic Chess Books. All right, thanks so much, Harish, Balaji, Akil, and Chris Winter for joining us today. Um, talking about Snap Mirror Synchronous and ONTAP 9.5. If you have additional questions, uh, you can always feel free to reach out to them or to podcast at netapp.com, and we will field the questions and pass them on to the appropriate parties. Uh, guys, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netapp.com or send us a tweet at NetApp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher, or via TechOnTapPodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, I'd like to thank Harish Arora, Balaji Ramani, Akil Kaushik, and Chris Winter for joining us this week. As always, thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. Is it just me that's getting off on this? Oh, yeah.